We did some old school church last Sunday, and it was awesome. I don't think we got out of here to one o'clock, I think, second service. So we just let him have a ball, and I love church like that, man. People getting set free and delivered and just empowered. And what I love, too, about our church is um, I saw our people going over to the team, laying hands on them, prophesying over them. I'm like, yeah, that's what it's all about, because those young people travel everywhere and pour out, don't they? And it was just such a blessing for us to slow down and be able to pour into them, and and Eddie said it was so refreshing to come to a church where we allowed the Holy Spirit to flow like that. He's like, most churches don't allow that anymore because of time constraints. And so I was so proud that we were able to do that. Amen? Amen. Thank you, Jesus. So I'm on a part two of Miracles Happen, and we know that they do. Amen. And last week, we or two weeks ago, we talked about uh, the miracle of deliverances and the over the powers of darkness. And so if you haven't had a chance to listen to that series yet, go ahead and jump online. It's free on our website or our church app so you can get caught up on this series. Um, and next week, I'm going to be talking about the miracles of protection. And then the week after, I'm going to close out with the miracles of provision. And so it's going to be a wonderful series on the miracles of God since we're declaring 2020 the year of miracles. Amen. And we're believing God for big miracles, aren't we? Not just baby ones, but big ones, the things that only God can do in our life. And so I just thought it'd be so great to do a series that's going to build our faith and, and really encourage us to believe God for big things this coming year. So today, my topic is on the miracles of healing. Everybody say healing. How many know we serve a healing, miracle-working God? Amen. God is able to touch our bodies and to raise the dead, to kill cancer, to open blind eyes, and we serve a miracle-working God. How many believe that? Just give the Lord a shout. Amen. And if you study the scriptures in the Word of God, in just the Gospels, there's over 30 miracles and maybe up to 100 that take place written in the Word of God. Jesus healed the blind man, opened the deaf ears. He healed the lepers. He raised the dead. Thank you, Jesus. I can't wait till we hear testimonies of the dead being raised. I believe in this time God is going to visit his church. That's going to be commonplace in the church. Uh, in the book of Acts, Paul preached so long that a young man got bored in the middle of it, and he fell off the roof and died. <laughs> I don't think I've ever killed anybody while I preached. I've not been that boring. Thank you, Jesus. But uh, Peter went out there and raised him from the dead. Praise God. So he's like, I may have killed him with boredom, but I was able to raise him from the dead. That's a good thing. Uh, and then Jesus healed Peter's mother-in-law. It's a little controversial in the Bible. Jesus healed Peter's, uh, Peter's mother-in-law. Scholars believe that's why he denied Jesus three times. Just kidding. I'm just kidding. I just had to say that. <laughs> but we serve a miracle-working God. Amen. So let's start in John 14, verse 12, and it says this. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater works than these things. Amen. I believe the same power that healed the sick back in the Bible is the same power that heals the sick today. Amen. And it comes through the faithful prayers of the saints. If you want to see the miracles in your life, we've got to start asking God for miracles. Amen. Not just sit back and, and hope they happen, but start declaring the miracle working of God. You know, we've got nothing to lose. Why not pray for someone, right? If you pray for 110 get healed, praise God, 10 got healed by the stripes of Jesus Christ. We've got to be doing something with our faith, amen? The Bible says that we serve a God that all things are possible. 
We serve a miracle-working God, and I love this translation in Ephesians 3, 20 through 21. I'm going to share with you uh, the Passion Translation this morning, and I'm just going to kind of slow it down, and I want it to just sink into your spirits today. And it says this, never doubt God's mighty power to work in you. We could stop right there and just have church. Never doubt that the power of God is working in you and through you on your behalf. Amen. It's not your power that heals. It's not your will that makes people the miracles happen. It's the power of God that lives in you. And what does that power do? It accomplishes all this. He will achieve infinitely more than your greatest request. Woo. Think about that. Infinitely more than what you think you need. God says, I can, I can trump you on that one. Your most, uh, your most unbelievable dream and exceed your wildest imaginations. He will outdo them all for his miraculous power constantly energizes you. Amen. So the more we get excited about what God's doing, the more it energizes us and the more we want to see God do in our lives. Amen. I believe in a God who does miracles. I remember when I was young in the ministry and I was looking back at miracles that's been in my personal ministry by laying hands on of people. And I went back as far as I could remember for the first time that I could recall. And I was probably uh, nine, no, I was 20 years old. And my dad uh, called me forward to lay hands on this woman who was sick. I didn't know what her problem was, but she was in an altar call like we have. And being a woman, and my mom wasn't there at the time, he said, I want you to pray for this lady. And I wasn't familiar with praying. This was all kind of new to me, you know, as far as in a corporate setting like like this and so I just laid hands on this woman's stomach and I just started praying over her well the Lord showed me um, that there was a hole in her stomach didn't even know what that meant but it, I saw a cork you know like a, a wine top like a cork kind of thing and it went right into her hole in, in her stomach and I didn't know what that meant but I saw that picture and I thought man I have lost my mind I have no idea why I'm seeing this and so um, but I, I knew what the Lord showed me that God healed something in her stomach and I didn't know what it was well the next day we get a phone call and we find out that she had a bleeding ulcer and the bleeding stopped when we prayed and I was like, well, I knew it. I had a vision. The Lord showed me. He stopped the bleeding. But I didn't fully understand. And that was so amazing to my spirit. I was like, who can I pray for next, you know? I was so excited. And, and that's what happens. And, and then from then on, we, I saw legs grow out. And I've seen cancer reports come back completely healed and miracles. And I've seen just incredible things, deliverances and beautiful things with God. And that's what God does. He said, when you lay hands on the sick, they shake. I'll be healed. Amen. Now, there's a portion in my, my teaching today that I want to touch because I think it's something that maybe the church doesn't talk about. I don't think that we don't talk about it on purpose because we want to keep your level of faith up. We want to keep you going and growing strong, which we do. But how many know that there are occasions that we pray for people and we don't see the miracle? And I want to talk about those for just a minute because I want to answer those questions. I don't want to pretend like they don't exist because even in my own ministry, I have prayed for people and the manifestation didn't happen. And the reason why I want to go here is because I don't want it to shake your faith. I don't want you to feel eliminated to continue praying for the sick because we don't see the manifestation of maybe one or two miracles. We have to understand our job is not the miracle. 
It is God's job. And we don't understand why things happen and when things don't happen. We are just called to trust God and continue to do the works of the kingdom, amen? And not let the devil steal, steal our joy so that we stop praying or we're concerned that, well, if it doesn't work, what are people gonna think? Listen, that is not your job. Shake that off. Because if I stop praying for people based on people that excesses of that prayer, I would never pray for anybody again. And that means people that got delivered last Sunday would never experience deliverance because I let the devil wipe me out two or three years ago because something didn't happen that I thought it should happen, amen? So I want to talk about those things. You prayed for people, and you know that God could, right? We know God can heal, and yet it didn't happen, and we don't understand that. Sometimes when you believe that God can and he doesn't, it unsettles us. And it can rock our faith, can it? And it can shake us. And maybe some of you haven't had anything that close to home, but if you have, it shakes our faith. And we wonder, it almost begins to weigh our belief in, is God really real? Does God really perform miracles, right? And that's the kind of thing that I want to talk to today. I, I have some friends of mine who are the most incredible um, couple of faith. They're pastors. They are men and women of God. They live their life with the word. They, they lay hands on people. They walk by faith. And this uh, particular time in their life, she got pregnant in early stages on. They said, there's something wrong. I forget what the diagnosis was, but your baby will be born and uh, she'll take a few breaths and then die. Well, being as we are, men and women of faith, right? We're like, we're going to believe God. We're going to trust God, and we're going to hang on, and we know God's going to perform this miracle, and their faith was so connected to that. And the whole church was praying, and we were all believing God for this miracle. And she ran off to the hospital, and she went to have this baby, and sadly, the very thing happened that the doctor said. And they gave birth to this baby, and this baby breathed just a little bit, and then she went to be with Jesus. And that shook this couple to the core. It shook the church to the core because it was like, God, where are you? Has anybody ever been there before? Like, this is just real talk, right? And I'm exposing that so that you have an understanding to some degree because we can't fully understand the whys, but we can fully understand and still keep trusting our God. And so this couple, it was shaking their faith, and they have seen, and then the miracle, they got pregnant again down the road, and they ended up giving birth to another beautiful son, and it was wonderful. But in this process, he said, God, how do I deal with this grief? Because I was trusting you, and I'm so deeply disappointed. I'm, I'm, I'm waging between my faith in God. Do I have this hyper faith? But how do I grieve this loss? Has anybody been there before? And so the Lord told him, he said, it's okay, because he said he would crawl in bed with his wife at night, and they would hold each other and just grieve. And they would grieve and grieve. And he said, how is faith in my grieving? You know, if I'm so broken, how can I engage in my faith again? And the Lord said, as long as you're grieving, your sorrow in that moment brings you to joy, then it's me. But if that sorrow keeps you in sorrow, then it's not me. And so that's our gauge. Yes, we're going to have disappointments. Things are going to happen that are very close to home that we don't understand. Allow the grieving process. Let it go through the healing and let it go to God and surrender that when we get to heaven, we're going to know all things. But right now, we don't know all things. We don't understand eternal things. We don't understand um, uh, the, the world that we live in. It's a sin-natured world, right? There's things that we just don't understand. And the will of that baby, I believe God gives the will of loved ones that we're believing God for. And we're fighting in faith for them. And they're like, I'm actually ready to be with Jesus. 
And they may never say that. They may never say, I'm ready to go be with the Lord because they want to fight because you're fighting for them. But in their heart, their will has said, but I want to be with my God. And so we're believing, 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 and then they pass away, and our faith is like, wait a minute. God, why didn't you perform that miracle? We don't understand their will was to be with Jesus. You know, so there's things that we have to, right, trust God when we don't understand God so that the enemy doesn't bring you to a place that you feel like God's not really real, God's not a good God, and God doesn't care. Amen? So how do we reconcile these things? How do we reconcile when God doesn't show up when I feel like he should show up in my life? So we're going to talk about a few things of those things this morning. Amen? One thing that I believe so strongly in America, we do not have a need for God. Do you know that there are miracles happening in other countries because they are not saturated with other things fulfilling them? They are so clear with just, they'll walk thousands of miles to be in the presence of God of worship because they're so hungry. In America, we're so inundated. We're inundated, inundated, inundated. And then we cry out to God for a miracle. And when it doesn't happen the way that we're believing God for it to happen, we get discouraged and we throw in the towel with God, not understanding that there's not a hunger in America for this move of God, which I believe God is bringing back to America. Amen. So we may all think this, but we may not say it out loud. And I promise you, I'm going to wrap this up and get you guys really excited at the end. Amen. But I want to address something that I feel is wisdom to address. So um, the thought is this, that we may think, our God heals, but everyone doesn't get healed all the time. Or maybe not in the way that we think it should happen in the process that we think it should happen. But I'm going to share with you scripturally the only reason why miracles aren't happening. Amen. I'm going to share with you this morning. So number one, I want to share this story with you of a young man named Trophimus. You probably have never heard about Trophimus before, but he traveled with Paul and his journey, and he was on his third missionary journey with Paul. He was, with, he was one of eight other men. And what you see in the scripture here is this. In uh, 2 Timothy 4, verse 20, it says, Aristos, which is probably the accountant of Paul, stayed in Corinth. And he said this, and I left Trophimus sick in Miletus. And when I read that scripture verse, I thought, why would God put that scripture verse? Now, Paul was a traveler of signs, wonders, and miracles. Paul had healing in his ministry. Paul had deliverances in his ministry. Yet one of the men under his own care could not continue his travels because he was sick. And I felt like the Lord showed that because he wants us to know one thing. It happened in the early church, and it's going to happen in the world today, that there is sickness that's going to happen. And I believe God doesn't want us to get under condemnation because all of a sudden sickness comes against us, and we feel condemned like, oh, I'm not spiritual enough, I'm not good enough, my faith isn't great enough, or whatever that is. And we feel that it comes against us, and God is saying, actually, there's going to be sickness among you. It's going to be there, and it's going to be okay, right? So the second area that I want to show you is this. In 1 Timothy 5, 23, it says this. In the first part of this verse, it says, Stop drinking only water. In the second part, it says, Use a little wine because of your stomach and your frequent illness. And I believe why, because in that time, wine, or still is, is a health benefit to the body without us all going crazy about drinking a lot of wine. You know what I'm saying. But it was, it was used as a, a medicine back in that day. Sometimes God will use the benefit of other things to take care of us. It doesn't mean you don't have faith. 
Now, can God come down supernaturally and do these miracles? Absolutely. But thank God for physicians who have the wisdom to do things that we need in our body today. I know people's lives who have been saved because they were able to have a heart surgeon in the midnight hour and be able to rescue them and allow blood to pass through their, their heart again, right? Surgeons can go in and cut out cancer. Thank you, Jesus, for that technology. So you are not in a position of not having a miracle because you need a little addition to. And, I, and it doesn't mean that God can't do it, but thank God we have other options in the meantime, amen? I mean, I know I've heard preachers say, I've never touched, uh, you know, Advil in my life. I just believe God for my headache. I think that's awesome. But I've taken Advil for my headache. Don't be so religious about the miracles of God that we sit back and, well, I'm not going to do any of that and I'm going to trust God. Well, there's a cult that's been around for years that they don't believe in going to doctors and they die on the, on the couch prematurely. Until God shows up in a powerful manifestation and we're in this revival and signs and wonders are just happening, we, it's okay to use the normal that's around us. Because the Bible says when you've done all to stand, I'm going to stand. And if I have to take some medication while I'm believing God, it doesn't mean God can't perform the miracle. If you still have to take that medication, you stand in faith believing. I remember when I, I wanted healing in my eyes. Um, uh, no, it wasn't me. It was another person that we were praying for. Wanted healing in their eyes, and they just went without their, their glasses. And they're everywhere. They're like, this is horrible. No, but wear the glasses. And they did. They wore them by faith. And one day they put the glasses on, and everything went blurry because God healed them. See, so you can do what you can do on your portion, amen, and don't be condemned while you're waiting in faith, believing God, amen. Then we hear about Paul's thorn in the flesh. We don't know exactly what that ailment was. There's many theologians said many different things, and it followed him for three seasons of his life, and he was so frustrated, he kept saying, God, take this thing from me. He was frustrated, take this thing from me, and guess what? God did not take it from him right away. He said, I'm going to give you grace, grace to endure. So when things aren't happening in our time frame, when they aren't happening in the way that we imagine, we receive the grace of God to endure until that miracle takes place, until God decides to show up. We don't know why did he not have faith. None of that matters, but we're seeing these examples in the word of God that is okay while we're waiting for our miracle to still trust God in the middle of the situation. Amen. Sometimes there's well-meaning Christians, and this was something that may be a little more old school, but people will say, well, maybe there's sin in your life, and you need to clean up the sin and get that out. That's why you're still sick. No, I'm bought by the blood of the Lamb. My sins are under the blood of Jesus, and I don't know why this miracle hasn't happened yet, but I'm trusting God until the very end. Amen? Not about sin, or maybe you didn't pray right, or maybe you're doing something wrong. Do you think God really needs our little prayers to be in these perfect little boxes to manifest the miracles in our life? No, he's the great I am. Amen. He's the healer, right? He's the miracle worker. He's Jehovah Jireh. He's Jehovah Rapha. He's Jehovah Tiskanu. He is all those things in our life. God isn't looking for you to have it all right or, or just earn your healing. No. Healing comes by the manifestation of the Holy Spirit. Amen? So I want to show you three things that I found in the Word of God of why we aren't seeing the miracles happen in this point of time. Number one, which I think is a huge one that we have to adjust our heart to, is this. Jesus refused to perform miracles to prove himself. 
How many of you have ever been or maybe saw a, a movie and something bad's about to happen and all of a sudden the screen stops and they're praying, God, if you do this one thing, if you do this miracle, I'll go to church every Sunday, you know, or, or I'll do, and they make all these promises to God and then when it happens, they're like, oh, well, whatever, and they kind of take off and do their own thing. See, God doesn't have to prove he's God to us. He is God. And we don't have to prove him to other people. When you pray for someone and maybe they aren't healed at that moment, it is not your job to prove who God is. It is God's job to prove who God is. Amen? He doesn't have to prove it to anyone. So in Mark 8, verses 11 through 12, we see this. The Pharisees came and began to question Jesus. Now, what was the religious rulers doing? They were testing him. That word, it says they tested him. Or what are they? They were tempting him. And that word tempting means this, whether he could do it or not. See, we don't have to prove. God doesn't, we don't have to say, God, prove to me that you are God by this miracle. Because guess what? The devil can perform miracles. That's why the Bible says in the end times, don't follow signs and wonders. Because the enemy, the Antichrist, will perform many miracles. And he'll look pleasing. But signs and wonders follow me. As you follow Christ, miracles are following me. But I'm not going to go follow a miracle because I could go right off the edge. Amen. So Jesus doesn't have to prove himself. So he said, the Pharisees came and began to question Jesus. His motives to test him. They asked him for a sign from heaven. And what did he do? The Bible says he sighed deeply. That means from the core of his chest, he said, <sighs> he was frustrated. And he said, why does this generation ask for a sign? Truly, I tell you, no sign will be given to you. Why? Because he doesn't have to prove he's God. He doesn't have to do that. He'll show up when the assignment is right. He'll show up when the time is right. And you think about at any point in Jesus' life in the word of God, he could have called down angels at any minute and performed every miracle he needed. And what did Satan do? I don't have the scripture verses, but in Matthew 14, when he went on a 40-day fast, the first part of that verse says, and he was hungry. How many know anytime the devil's going to come to discourage you, it's going to be when you're down? When you're vulnerable, when you're hungry, when you're insecure, when you're discouraged, he's going to come knocking on your door. Where's God at now? You're believing God for that miracle? That didn't happen What when you're at your lowest. And gets you to question God in your life. Well, God doesn't have to prove he's God, amen, in our life. And so what does Satan do? If you're really God, do this. Show me a sign. And Jesus went back, what, the word. And then he went, oh, that didn't work. If you are really God, do this. He wanted another sign. He wanted Jesus to prove himself with that he was the son of God. Jesus never proved himself. He only spoke the word of God. Then he said, I can give you more than you could ever imagine, right? And what did Jesus? Jesus came back with the word of God. So miracles don't come just to prove God. They come because of our faith, which we'll talk about in a minute, and because he is a miracle-working God. Amen? Number two, Jesus never performed a miracle that interfered, interfered with God's ultimate plan. And we find that in the story of uh, Jesus when he was about to go to the cross. And what's so amazing in this story is in one moment, he performed a miracle. And in the next moment, he withheld the miracle that he could have given his life. So in this moment, what happened was Judas was showing up, and he was about to give the kiss to Jesus, and the soldiers uh, took over Jesus, and they caught him. And what did, what did wonderful Peter do? He took out a sword and cut the man's ear off, right? And what did Jesus do? He walked over, picked up the ear, put it on the man's head, and he healed him. And he healed him. 
But then in the next verse, if you look over in Matthew 26, 53, he said, don't you realize, he uses as a teaching moment to his disciples, don't you realize that I could ask my father for thousands of angels to protect us and he would send them instantly? But if I did, how would the scriptures be fulfilled that describe what must be done now? See, there was an eternal purpose of Jesus dying on that cross, but the disciples and their limited ability didn't understand why Jesus wasn't showing his power. See, there are things eternally in the kingdom that God is working out, but we want God to prove himself now. And God's like, wait, I want you to hold on. I want you to trust me because I don't have to prove I'm God in your life. I am God, amen? I am the great I am. All right, and the third one quickly was Jesus didn't do miracles where there was no faith. And this is the one that we know as believers, where there was no faith. Even when Jesus went to his own hometown, what happened? Oh, he's just the carpenter, right? He's Joseph's son. Oh, he was the teacher's pet. He was always like the good kid who knew all the answers, right? And what happens now that when we're coming to church and maybe when you first get saved, you're like, Jesus, and you're seeing miracles happen because you're all passionate and you're on fire. And then what happens? We get familiar with Jesus. We get familiar with our worship service. We get familiar with the word of God. We're, we're busy serving and get distracted, and we become familiar, and that's when miracles cease to exist, when we don't see Jesus as the Messiah. Amen? Matthew 13, 58 says this, and he did not do many miracles there because of their lack of faith. What is missing in our life? That excitement of faith. We have to understand this, that faith moves the heart of God in every situation. Amen? Praying in faith moves God. I want to give you a few examples this morning. The woman with the issue of blood, she had been bleeding for 12 years. Went to every physician. There was no answer. Went to every um, um, doctor. They said there's no hope. They rejected her. They pushed her outside of the city. She wasn't allowed in community. Again, she was an outcast. And what did she say? I have faith if I could just touch the hem of his garment, I will be healed. See, it's faith that moves the miracle in motion, amen? It's not how perfect we are. It's the faith of God on the inside of us. She had to work through disappointment. She had to work through shame. She had to work through being told no. How many of you ever went back and got the no, but you're still going to trust God, amen? Maybe you got that bad report and you were expecting a good report. Keep pressing in. Keep activating that faith in your life. The next one was the leprosy. That God healed 10 lepers and one came back and fell at his feet and he began to worship him. In Luke 17, 19, what did Jesus say? He said, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. It is the faith of God, amen? There was a blind man and what was he doing? He was screaming out, Jesus! He was saying, I can't hear you. I can't see you, but I can hear you. And what did he say? Have mercy on me. He shouted out in Mark 10, 52. What did Jesus say? Go, Jesus said, your faith has healed you. Amen. What does our faith do? Our faith moves the hand of God in our situation. I want to ask you this morning, those stories that I shared, what did Jesus saw? He saw their faith. So I'm going to ask you this morning and what you're believing God for. Are you believing God for wow faith? Or are you believing God for wow? What are we believing God for? Where are our expectations in this year? 
Let me ask you your prayers last week or during our fast. Were they, wow, only God can do this miracle? I'm almost afraid to even say it out loud. Or was it, "Mm, I just asked him to bless my food and bless my day. Is there anything wrong with that? No. But God wants some wow right now. He wants some steps of faith. He wants those things that only he can move in on our behalf. Amen. What are those wow things that you're believing God for? When the Roman centurion walked up and saw Jesus, he had a... um, was his daughter, a servant that was sick under his roof. And Jesus said, I'll go with you. And what did the, what did the um, Roman centurion say? No, Jesus, just say the word. Wow, Jesus said. What great faith. He don't even need me to show up at his door. Just say the word. Jesus said, wow, that's such great faith. We need some wow moments with God, amen? I'm believing God for some wow things in my life, wow things in this church, wow things in my body, amen? I'm believing for the amazing things God has. But then Jesus went to his own hometown, and what happened? Uh, we're not impressed. Wow. I'm too familiar with Jesus. Wow. And what did Jesus say? I was amazed at their lack of faith. See, it's our faith that moves God in our life. Amen? What is those things that is going to amaze Jesus in our powerful faith? See, something I want to encourage you with, and I think I've taught this a few weeks ago, but you may think you need this like emotional amount of faith. Faith is not emotion. The Bible says all you need is faith as the mustard seed. That's it. God is looking for that little faith. As you're sitting here this morning, I could tell your faith is getting ignited. As soon as you have a faith that ignites in your heart, it moves God right and it moves you right to God's direction. All it takes is that little bit. He's not looking for a big emotional feel-good faith. No, it's a heart that, God, I want this miracle in my life. I don't know how it's going to happen or where it's going to happen, but I want this miracle. Amen. And as soon as you have that little smidgen of faith, all of a sudden, boom, it's like a magnet. You're connected to God. And you've got God's attention, amen? And, and it's proved in the Bible with the man that had the uh, son that was demon-possessed, remember? And he kept falling into the fire and falling into the fire, and nothing could help him. And in Mark 9, 23, I don't have this verse for them, but Jesus said, if you can believe, all things are possible to those who believe. Here this man's frustrated. He's got this son that's demon-possessed, and there's nothing he can do. And Jesus is saying, if you can believe, all things are possible. And what I love about this man, and I think it describes all of our hearts, in Mark 9, 24, immediately the boy's father explained, I do believe. <laughs> How many of us go, I do believe God heals. You shot me down when I first started. I do believe, but what? Help me overcome my unbelief. I believe God, but man, I don't want to be disappointed. I believe God, but what if it doesn't happen? I believe God, but I don't want to get my expectations too high of finding freedom or deliverance or a good help made or financial blessings. I don't want to believe because what if I'm disappointed? And it's okay to be there. God, I believe, but boy, help me believe a little bit more. Amen. Help me trust you. Just, I'm still going to pray. I'm still going to trust you. I'm still going to be faithful until the miracle comes to pass in my life. And even with the disappointments of the past, does it shake our faith? Yes, it shakes our faith a little bit. But what we have to do is, does it cause me to stop believing God? No. It shakes me, but I'm not going to stop believing. Why? Because of this. Our faith isn't based on what God does. 
Our faith is based on who God is. Who God is in my life, amen? I don't understand that God, but I'm going to let that go from my heart, and I'm going to embrace the God of who you are today, amen? Faith doesn't rest on what God does or doesn't do. Faith rests in the character, proven goodness of Christ on the cross. That's where my faith goes. I don't understand this moment. I don't get it. But I'm going to believe God here again, and I'm going to believe God here again, and I'm going to let it rely on God in my life. Amen? Thank you, Jesus. What did God do? God sent his son to the cross. Amen? Our faith is not based on seeing the results of a miracle. Our faith is based on the character and the goodness of God who sacrificed his son. Listen to this. When Jesus came to the cross, right, came to the earth, and he laid down his life, his highest priority of the cross was what? Restored relationship to the Father. Number one, miracles are the benefits of the cross. But the priority of God is the salvation of people's lives. Because people can get healed, but if they don't know Jesus as their Savior, the cross is in vain. So we're, we're God, show me your miracle, prove me your Jesus, prove me your, no. Go to the cross and know he is your Lord and Savior. Let's get people healed, let's get people filled with Jesus, born again, filled with the Holy Spirit. Then when I do that, guess what? Miracles follow me. I'm not looking for miracles to prove the cross. I know what the cross did for me. I know the forgiveness. I know by his stripes I was healed. I am settled at the cross. If I never see the manifestation, I am settled. We lead people to the cross, and you let God let the miracles happen in their life. Amen? Because we are not responsible for those miracles. And doesn't that feel good? Jesus wants to forgive their sins before he heals their body. And I know people that's been healed radically of cancer. My uncle, one of them, my parents prayed for them. He was not a believer in Christ at all, antichrist. And he, uh, in the middle of the night, his body began to shake and he saw uh, things going out his toes. He was full of cancer. Sewed him up, said, there's nothing we can do for you. And when he called my parents and told that story, they, they, uh, my parents said, you better get a second opinion because God delivered you. And they opened him up, no cancer whatsoever. But that man went home, lived, I think, another five or six years, and never, never gave his life to Jesus. Now, God gave him the opportunity. But see, the miracle is not the most important thing. The miracle is the salvation at the cross. Amen? Get their hearts with Jesus. And what did God say to us in Mark 16? Our promise, and that's what we're walking in. Mark 16, 17 through 18. These signs will follow those that believe. In my name they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and see them recover. Amen. That's our faith. We will preach Jesus. Jesus until he comes back again. We will keep laying hands on people until Jesus comes back again. Amen. We're still going to curse cancer. We're going to still see blinded eyes open, and we're going to still do the promises of God. No matter what we haven't seen before, we're still going to do the wondrous works of Christ. Amen. Amen. Give the Lord a praise this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Go ahead and stand to your feet.